We just live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. <laughs> Suck it, Toronto. To think that, that a season is championship or championship is, is um, certainly the way we've approached it. To the Miami Heat fans, it was, uh, you're despicable people, and I hope I never hear from you again. Milwaukee, we dogs! James Harden is a massive choker, and he is a bum. Bum. Finals MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Bogdan Bogdanovich. Karma. Karma, bitch. Chris, you did it, huh? Okay, so leaving Pfizer Forum, and holy crap, that was quite a Bucks game. The Bucks decided to get all the bad out of the way early, which I appreciate. They actually won a third quarter, which was surprising. Good on them. 41 points in the fourth quarter. Um, Chris Middleton, really, really good. Drew Holiday, second half, really, really good. Good job by everyone. Um, shout out Jordan Wara. Probably had his best game of the season. Good for him. Uh, if he could do that more often than not, he might have an NBA career. So that was a fun game to attend. I'm I'm enjoying it. It was good. And to the Bulls and Miami Heat, um, looking like a bunch of bums. It was kind of glorious. So hopefully those two other bums kind of learn their lesson, especially the Bulls. Um, Stop trying to act like you're contenders. You're not contenders. You are pretenders. As the Foo Fighters once said. Hello and welcome to the Brew Hoop Podcast. I'm Adam Paris, co-managing editor of BrewHoop.com. That voice you just heard was Kyle Carr, live reporting from Pfizer Forum. He was in attendance today, gave you his outlook, not just on the Suns game, but the Heat game in the week that was. That's the kind of professional he was. Thank you, Kyle, for phoning in. But that also means we are uh, joined by a guest this week from Brew Hoop, of course. It's Riley Feldman. He's here as usual, but Van Fayez is here. Uh, Van, how are you doing? You get the uh, the first word of the day. Oh, wow. Uh, what is the word of the day? Um, hmm. Uh, I'll just say uh, 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 chrysanthemum, just because that's always a good word to say. I think that was like one of those Nigel Hayes words from a few years ago. That was that was what I was thinking about when you said like, "What's his word?" It's like, well, he would go up. Remember, he would go up in those press conferences and say oh, a funny word. Yeah, the stenographer. Yeah, speaking yeah. of that, great a great Wisconsin share of the Big Ten title. Um, Riley, how is how's it going up in the? Uh, <laughs> what are you Twin talking? About? What are we talking about? I'm glad <laughs> I started talking about Badger basketball with Riley. I had no idea who you were talking about. I was like, who's Nigel Hayes? I thought he was like an Australian, like you know, wildlife TV personality. Uh, I'm doing good up here in the Twin Cities. The word of the day, gentlemen, is domination, which we're going to be talking about here the bucks dominating all their opponents this week uh the weather up here in the city sucks we got like three to four inches of snow on top of slush yesterday and it's just been horrendous for days now but all the winning has helped you know warm my soul and if you can hear you can actually probably hear me for once because i actually got a uh, microphone so uh shout out to the brew hoop budget that money's coming in guys that's what it's all about here on the brew hoop podcast so uh 
hopefully you'll be able to hear me a little bit better. You mean forward. I can get a free microphone? I'm using one that I paid for right we'll, now. We'll take that discussion <laughs> offline, man. <laughs> so I'm glad you brought that up, though. Much love to our Vox overlords and much love to the Milwaukee Bucks this week who, like Riley said, a 4-0 domination week. Beating the Suns, the Bulls, the Heat, and the Hornets. The Heat was probably the best game of all of them, but we're going to go a little differently this week. We're going to go inverted pyramid and start with the most recent game of the week. Bucks beating the Suns. We're recording this late on Sunday evening, just earlier afternoon. The Bucks took care of them. 132 to 122. Big star of the day was Chris Middleton, who had 44 points on 27 shots. Drew had 24 points and 9 assists. Quieter day for Giannis, 19 points. Just two of those coming in the second half. But he also had 13 rebounds, 6 assists, a key block, as he is wont to do against the Phoenix Suns. Riley, the Suns did not have Chris Paul. They did not have Devin Booker. And they did not have Cam Johnson. But you know what? It didn't take any of the sweetness away from this win. This was a, this was a delightful win, uh, even though if it seemed rocky throughout uh, most of the stretch. But it was really Chris Middleton and Drew bringing it home to, to, to seal it for us. It was. Uh, so before the game, I was on the Brew Hoop Twitter account and I tweeted a campaign and uh, DeAndre Aiden are about to do a Kobe Shaq impression just because. And that was supposed <laughs> to be a joke. And then they actually did. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> so a little rough and tumble. There are definitely aspects to our defense, especially in the first half that you could question. But what you can't question is the heart, especially of Drew and Chris. Uh, Chris had a quiet first quarter and then picked it up especially second and into the fourth quarter, most obviously. Drew was, uh, he was okay. And then he really turned it on as he usually does in the fourth quarter to close it. Uh, It was just a lot of fun. It's been a while since we last had like a crazy outburst of shooting. It went Drew, then Chris, then Drew, then Drew, then Chris, then Chris. And I think that's what ended up closing the game. I have to pull the play-by-play. But uh, sweet victory simply because... We needed to execute at a high level without Giannis because of foul trouble. Uh, we had had fits and starts with Phoenix pretty much all game long up until that point. And then the two two co-stars end up stepping up at the very end. So uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the details of it. But yes, it was a super satisfying one. How'd you feel at the end of the day, Van? Uh, great. I mean, any win right now, I feel like at this point in the season, like with the Bucks trying to at least hold on to a top three standing a top three seeding in the, in the, in the East. Uh, So any, any win feels good, especially now we've gotten four wins in a row, uh, three over uh, three of the top teams in the league. Uh, Two of them were ahead of the bucks in the Eastern conference standings at the time coming into the game. Um, I think all of these games, I would, with the exception of the Charlotte game, which is, you know, like a, a lesser opponent, I wouldn't say any of these games were like wire to wire. Obviously they weren't wire to wire victories, but not even like great consistent efforts all the way through. I mean, uh, they had a, another rough third quarter against Chicago. Um, today they did not, they won the third quarter by two points and they scored 41. I believe it was in the fourth quarter, 41 to 32. So, um, the fourth quarters have been, uh, uh, very consistently good, obviously, these last three games. And that really, I think, in each of them starts with, with Drew Holiday. I mean, uh, we look at the fourth quarters in each of these last three games. And uh, let's see. I My computer's really slow. Sorry. I can't always get these things right at my fingertips. But today, um, or I'm sorry, on Friday, uh, 16 points on 6 of 8 shooting in the fourth quarter. 
today in the fourth quarter. It was patter, uh, patter, patter. 17 on five of six shooting. And against the Heat, it was. Oh, only seven. No. Yeah, only seven on three of five shooting. That's that seems that seems I thought he was bigger in the fourth quarter against the Heat. I mean, oh, I he, he, had the, he had the he had the biggest like, shot. Yeah. Still, like, uh, so I okay, maybe those numbers aren't as aren't as like stupendous throughout the week as I thought they were. However, uh, I think we I was saying this in our our little Discord server earlier. Like, we need a new nickname for Drew that kind of highlights this this closer uh, this closer he's evolved into. Because I I remember last year. I mean, we saw him do this against like. Uh, the the Grizzlies that one game he hit that that runner that layup to win that game. Um, he did against the Nets too. He had that game winner in what was it game three of that series. Um, he's only had he only I mean that's his only game winner this year I think right the the one this week against the Heat. But uh, he was just bonkers in the fourth quarter on Friday night and today like he was really kind of absent the entire game until the fourth quarter, uh, only seven points on seven shots entering the fourth quarter. Um, did have eight assists though. Um, and, uh, was still like a, a plus player, but you know, he was getting outplayed by his, his little brother for a lot of that time. Um, I don't know. I think, uh, I, I think none of these games have left me, super confident that they're like this this juggernaut that maybe we've seen in previous years previous iterations of the team however it does give me a lot of faith because they look like the team they looked like in the playoffs when they're winning games like this they look like the team that came back and beat the nets in uh from being down 0-2 and being down 3-2 and also being down 0-2 against the the suns in the finals i mean they they found ways to win with Awesome with some great fourth quarters in a lot of those games. Game six, especially. I mean, they were. I think in game six of the finals, they were they were definitely down at half, and I don't think they were even leading at the end of the third quarter in that one. But uh, Bobby Portis and of course Giannis uh, carried them to that win. Uh, today it was Chris Milton and Drew Holiday. So lots of people who can do it on this team. Unlike Van, I don't have inhibitions. We're gonna go repeat. That's what I learned this week. <laughs> And I hope that clip doesn't come back to bite us. Adam, before we turn it to you for your analysis, I want to I want to know, of the two guys, based on their expectations, who had the bigger game today, Jordan Wara or Serge Ibaka? Jordan Wara, absolutely. <laughs> I, he's he's in a clo- he's in a closing lineup. The guy, I, I mean, I, I, I so many fourth quarter minutes, so I, many fourth quarter. I, minutes. I I I am on the record many times. I'm really not a Wara believer. I'm not a fan of his game in almost any way. I. And today in the fourth quarter, when he off an offensive rebound by Giannis, got the ball back from Giannis on the left arc, he had a chance to shoot a three. And you know what he did? He didn't shoot the three. And, and the second he did that, I thought, this guy's so mature. He's grown. <laughs> so it's called growth, yeah. <laughs> Um, he didn't screw it. <laughs> uh, gosh. So yeah, I would say I would say Jordan Wara. I, I'm actually surprised to see he's one of six from three. In this game, I he with the one that he hit was big. He did do a decent job of scoring. I was really surprised to see that he was in the closing lineup. That being said, the minutes from DeAndre Bembry in the first half, um, I would not have been stoked to see Bud go with him in the closing minutes of this game. Uh, you know, so I would say I, I've been down on War a lot. Credit to him. I, 
Van summed it up best to, today in, in the Discord. You know, he's probably not going to be a regular rotation guy, nor does this like mean he's all of a sudden turned the corner. But today, this was a moment like a small step forward for a player that I I, I have found very frustrating almost this entire season. He's really tough to get behind sometimes. I was looking at it today, though. Uh, he played all but 21 seconds of the fourth quarter uh, against the team with, I mean, I know they're missing Chris Paul, and I know they're missing Devin Booker, but the fact that he was doing that against the best team in the league, like, if you told me before the day that that was going to happen, I'd be like, oh, God, what happened in the first three quarters of that game? Like, how much were they losing by during the fourth quarter? <laughs> um, but I, I kind of disagree with you, though. Uh, I think it was – I. I I think Serge Ibaka was, I mean, he, he he didn't play as much in the fourth quarter, but I was a big fan of his play in the second half of the game um, on both sides of the floor. He had some really big buckets in that third quarter. Um, he, I thought he had, he had that really awesome block on who was it? Uh, maybe he got, maybe, um, now he got Landry Shamet. He like smashed Landry Shamet's face, which I'm was awesome. At the, yeah. Okay. He had, he had both of those in the fourth quarter, two blocks yep. in the fourth quarter. And that so, was when Giannis was sitting on the floor. So he was essentially right. the sole interior defender. Yeah. Right. Um, I thought uh, he's been so uh, – he's been kind of frustrating his first few weeks with the with the Bucks because um, I get the sense sometimes he, he doesn't have a great grasp on their, on their system. And, I mean, the first – like before the All-Star break, it's like, okay, whatever. You know, you, you've just been here like a week. Um now we're, you know, he's, he had the all-star break to, to learn some of that, like the playbook. He's had some more time in practice conceivably. He's still making some mistakes here and there that just make me scratch my head. Like, like he missed Bobby Portis the other night, uh, who was, you know, he was going over into the corner where Bobby Portis goes and where any buck shooter is going to go. It was where a blue box was and he, he completely missed him. It's like, you know, you, you got to read that memo, dude. Um, and even on defense, like I thought, I think largely on defense, since he's come to the Bucks, he's been really good. But uh, it's there. There were still some some snafus I saw a lot, uh, a little bit in the first half today, and also on on Friday against against the uh, the Bulls. But we can talk about him in that game when we talk about the Bulls game. So he's great today. Yeah, he uh, offensively he brings a different thing from anybody else on the roster. Obviously, Giannis is like an in- interior attacker, but. There's nobody like him, uh, and Bobby does a lot of his work from outside or like beach volleyball putbacks. So yeah. that's his search is a different kind of guy. The thing that uh, I noticed first half to second half, and Van, you pointed it out as well, saying, "Okay, we got to stop with the stupid switching already," because <laughs> what that was doing was it was leaving Surge on an island. Is like, "Hey, Surge, can you keep up foot speed wise with campaign from the yep. perimeter to the hoop? Could you do that for me?" And then oh no, it's getting switched on us. Drew Holiday. Whoever it is, correct. So they kept doing that. And then in the second half, uh, it wasn't as pronounced, but you could tell like Javon Carter, Drew, whoever it was, they were not giving up the switch as easily. And Drew would like really push and like keep on whoever the ball handler is because you can't just leave Surge in space as a guy who doesn't really like fully know the system, doesn't know the tendencies. And we say this every time there's new big guys like can he do the zone drop like it seems pretty hard for a lot of guys to get the timing just right the way that brooke does and so much of the first half is like even if he gets the guy in front of him or like he's just out of position he gets set with a back pick or like a back screen and then it's like well the guy just got right past me i thought the team did a better job as a unit defensively in the second half and that helped 
surge along. Yes, there were still like a couple of mistakes, but in general, they weren't leaving him on an island. And that's what you got to do for a guy who's new, still figuring it out. He's not as mobile as he used to be. Like he's strong. He can get in position, but I thought they did a lot better of a job, like stop with the incessant switching and just giving up like an easy switch right away. So they did a lot better of a job with that in the second half, especially. The funny part is that at the end of the game, they went to the switch and Chris Middleton was able to get that deflection when they were trying to do an entry pass into Aiden, who who had been eating him, eating him up all day. Yeah, Serge had a great had a great game and the six offensive rebounds. That was a huge thing. I, I, I was coming into today. I was just thinking, I don't feel like I've really seen him make his presence felt there at all in these sort of games. If the Bucks have a little more size and they want to go big and today they went with you know, it could be Serge and Giannis or Serge and Bobby at times. And that overwhelmed the Suns. They had a the Bucks today had a 39% offensive rebound percentage, which is absolutely nuts. I mean, the wow. playoffs throughout all of last year, they had like a 31%, which was still crazy. So Bucks overwhelmed them with size in the end to help make up for uh, what were a d- disturbing amount of turnovers. We haven't really talked about Chris Middleton much today. Uh, 44 points. I don't know. He kind of just like seemed to revert back to the, the playoff, Chris Middleton that we all remember, huh? This was finals Chris Middleton. I mean, the the shots he was making in that fourth quarter um, from – there was only – there was one he, he missed, which I, I just couldn't believe didn't go down. He ended up 6 of 10 in the fourth quarter with two threes, um, plus 15 in that quarter. Uh, and I think the, the crazy thing was, like, he was uh, – I think one of the issues I was having a lot with Milton lately, and also with Holiday, a bit, has been turnovers. And like we, you know, we 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 we've uh, we. I think at one point in the first quarter um, or in the first half, it was like uh, you know like a, like a 20, 20 to eight like points off turnovers for the Suns or something like that. That ends up uh, actually uh, twenty seven to twenty four, just slightly in favor wow. of of uh, the Bucks because of a lot of that. Uh, a lot of those deflections and live ball turnovers that the Bucks were generating at the end of the game. And, and Chris Middleton was the guy doing a lot of that, which was uh, really great. He had, uh, he had a steal and no turnovers in, in the fourth quarter. The, the, the Suns turned over four times, but uh, I'd have to, you know, I'd have to dig into it a little bit, but those all led to, to buck points on the other end. A lot of those, I think from Middleton, like some of those threes came off turnovers. Um, so uh with how much turnovers were an issue in the first half of that game, uh, cleaning that up, and I think a lot of that coming uh, from guys like Chris and Drew, who've really struggled turning the ball over a lot lately, uh, that's a big reason that they were able to come back and win these games, because uh, it's also a reason that they're struggling in the first half of these games, because they are giving up a lot of points off turnovers. We've seen it in each of the last three games in the first half. This is the kind of matchup too with uh, the Suns. Like he ate Miles or uh, McCall Bridges alive in the finals last year. Landry Shamit is not going to be the kind of guy who will be able to stop him any more than McCall Bridges can. And obviously, Jay Crowder or DeAndre, like any of the other guys, are either going to be too big, too slow, or too small and unable to really contest. And so, this is the kind of game where, unless they're going to throw Tory Craig on you for the entire game, they were using him on Giannis instead. Chris is going to have a lot of good looks so long as he's not trying to dribble his way through a double team or whatever, like stupid stuff that he does. And then, you know, throws it through a forest of arms into the opponent's hands. So so, as long as he doesn't do that, like it sets it up perfectly for him to do his simple stuff. And then what's most encouraging is 
we haven't seen as many games this year where he gets hot and he's like, just keep feeding, keep feeding Chris the ball, like keep getting it to him. And, and not only do we get the ball to him, but then he like agrees to take the shot as well. And the fourth quarter closing sequence, Giannis comes in, um, I think with like two or three minutes left, he follows out like a minute after that, um, trying to stop uh, DeAndre Aiden getting like an easy layup or whatever. And then it's like, well, okay, we're up five or six or seven. Chris and Drew have to close it here. And Chris is like, just give me the ball and the confidence to go up and hit some of like those crazy leaning fadeaways, like the final three to close it, um, to walk up and just like hit a three in somebody's face. Like everything about that vintage Chris Middleton, the question is always is, is he going to have like the willingness mentally to do that, to step up to that? And I understand it could be a little bit difficult with like, Giannis or Drew out there what's the right balance but when you're on fire in the way that he was just keep getting the dude the ball and keep getting the ball up that's what he did and that's why I mean such a significant closing sequence to it like it's so much more fun don't be wrong I like when Giannis like slams a dude through the hoop or whatever to close the game but when Chris is really on fire like there's something about seeing a true jump shooter just acing it every single time it's a really it's it's a lot of fun to watch and it makes life easy for everybody else is like just get out chris's way let him do it so good on you chris it was a yes top tier performance from him especially in the second half anything to Giannis's just two points in the second half are we just chalking it up to a weird sort of disjointed foul issues today it felt like he, he wasn't able to get into a rhythm in the second half much at all there were some really weak calls throughout the entire game i think on him especially like the I think it was cer- certainly the last the one that he fouled out on and also maybe the third or fourth whistle he had just very light contact um but also coming right out of the gate in the third quarter he was seven of seven in the first half and then uh in the third he's zero for four um he just you know made a free only one free throw he got to the line once that that quarter um I don't I didn't notice anything different about like how he was going at the basket. I mean, he was going to the rim. He was missing some layups. Um, his turnaround wasn't falling, but that's like, you know, something you, you don't always expect his turnaround to, 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 to find net every time. It's kind of still a work in progress for him as good as it's been lately. Um, I don't know. Uh, he wasn't uh, in the third quarter. He wasn't getting whistled too much. And I thought we were going to see him in the fourth quarter be like, you know, typical Giannis, like he was on, on Friday night as well. Um, but uh, they they really got to him with those whistles. I think it was a combination of some physical play, like that was a little bit maybe the the refs I thought were pretty persnickety all game. I mean, it was certainly benefiting the Bucks in the third quarter, who they got into the bonus very quickly. Uh, but it's a double edged sword. Uh, Giannis was, I think, victimized by a lot. He didn't even take a field goal attempt in the fourth quarter. I'm looking back at it. isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? He had three fouls, zero field goal attempts. Only got to the line once. He's a guy who knows his role. He's like, look, Drew, <laughs> Drew, and Chris are number one A, one B. I'm, no, I'm, I'm number two here. Um, I, I think we should also credit DeAndre Aiden of all the big men, like traditional big men out there who guard Giannis. Uh, as we saw with Giannis's fifty piece in the game six and just his finals in general, Giannis will figure it out eventually. But on a one game to like one game basis, DeAndre Aiden looks thick as an oak tree, and he does a pretty good job of like his body positioning when he, when he absorbs contact, he doesn't like immediately get knocked back out of the way or if he does, he resets right away. So I think uh, probably the fact that Deandre Aiden's sort of doing a good job on defense. Uh, Giannis is obviously working to get any sort of open shots after the first, especially after he shoots out of the, 
you know, the gates in the first quarter. But then like once everybody else starts kind of hitting shots or whatever, I think it's just kind of a recognition. Like it, it'll be easier to just like let Drew and Chris end up doing this. I, I'm not concerned about that. I think if it came to a series against the Suns again, he'd figure it out. That's it's not a concern to me at all. Yeah, the only other thing that stood out to me was Aiton, again, had a really, really good day. 30 points on just 19 shots. He was kind of eating the bucks up inside, getting the ball really quickly, putting it up as either a, a real quick hook shot or he might get a dunk or he was able to size someone up and pull up for a jumper. He's he's really roasted the bucks through two games. I'm not sure what the solution is. Is the solution Brooke Lopez coming back and having more strength to be able to prevent him from getting such a deep, deep positioning in there? I think, like we said, the pick and roll defense left quite a bit to be desired in the first half. So he was able to get the ball in opportune spots. But that was like the only thing that stood out to me from this game that might actually mean something moving forward. Well, and, and it might. Sorry, you, you go first, man. Oh, I was just going to say, I didn't think I uh, you'd think that in this sort of situation, you'd want a lot of Ibaka on him. And I didn't see a whole lot of it. I mean, obviously, uh, in the first quarter or the first half, they were liberally switching the Bucks defenders on to get Aiton on to smaller guys. And it worked very well in the second half. I thought, you know, I, I saw Giannis on him quite a bit more. Um, I didn't see Ibaka maybe checking him as much. And Ibaka is maybe the guy you want with his combination of strength and just his ability to defend like mobile big men and mobile players in general. But uh, I think they did a better job of defending Aiton in the second half because they were, you know, sticking with the assignments a bit better. Still Aiton was making a lot of buckets he was uh he and i thought Payne and a lot of the like there was it wasn't a, too big of a an issue immediately at the rim i thought they were making their hay i think from that kind of short mid-range like a lot of floaters a lot of just like light jump shots in that like eight ten foot area um and that was like that degree of shot making that you know we've seen against that the bucks have had to overcome in a lot of games this week from guys like like Kyrie Irving or um, Gabe Vincent, Tyler Hero, just making not high efficiency or high uh, valued shots, but just burying them even with like great defense on them. Um, and yeah, Aiton was getting up floaters over Giannis even at times, like just being able to throw him off and keep him uh, keep like keep Giannis from you know getting that his timing right and being able to actually contest some of these these Jays that they're bigs were putting up so um i thought the defense was a lot better but like what do you have to do sometimes against some of these guys and he can be a tough cover too because he is a skilled offensive big man and like the number of times they would get him on the like on the elbow or at the block and he would just immediately turn and just right up over Mm -hmm. like whoever whether it be Serge or Giannis, like so you have to be like okay well maybe i'll just like i'll try to beat him to the punch but then obviously he kind of keeps that in the back of his mind so hey can he react to that and just get around you with his footwork or whatever so like there is a certain level of like how is our defense but also just like credit to him like he's obviously a very skilled big man like he just the number of like get it turn right over the top i was like god damn like what am i watching 1955 (laughs) buffalo brave type (laughs) basketball out here what the hell so credit to him it was i mean you know it's annoying to watch but uh it does take skill to do that so it was a real throwback game he did hit a three though early in the game that was kind of very early i was like oh my god we're gonna lose three before that was very strange. I think um, Hebe Brown was Hebe Brown was like, yeah, "You'll see that all the time. You'll see DeAndre. He's he has no fear." I'm like, "Does he take a lot of threes?" I'm like, "Is that part of his offensive package?" I had no idea. Yeah, and then, so, and then cool. whoever who is who is on the call was it was it 
Dan I think it was Dave Pash. Dave Pash, right. I always get them mixed up. Dave Pash, Madison Memorial alum, just like me and Wesley Matthews. Anyway, um, he was like, uh, that was the fifth shot that he has hit all year uh, from three, DeAndre <laughs> So, like, immediately shot back. Hubie's <laughs> like, yeah, you'll see that a lot. He, he's going to do that a lot. <laughs> well, actually, Hubie. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, all right. Well, speaking of throwback, that's what DeMar DeRozan, of course, is for the Bulls. Oh and God. he had a, mm. a throwback DeMar DeRozan choking performance. 11 of 30 <laughs> from the field, <laughs> just uh, 29 points on 30 shots. I, I mean, so so the story of this one was once again, the Bucks dominate the fourth quarter, 37 points to 24 for the Bulls in this one. The Bulls were ahead by quite a bit after another, of course, poor third quarter by the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis has 34 points, 16 rebounds, five assists. He dominates late. 22 for Chris, 26 for Drew. I, I, and then, of course, I think the, the big story was the the defense. I mean, 29 points for DeRozan on 30 shots is great, given his insane efficiency this year. Zach Levine, 30 points on 26 shots. So really good defense on the two principles of the of the Chicago Bulls. And then just down the stretch, the Bucks just clamped down on all their players, and they were able to to dominate them to the to the tune of 37 points like we said uh, so just another solid performance for them Ben. the defense in the fourth quarter of that game was outstanding um it was really nice to see like yeah the the efforts from i think the big the principal guys on uh on derozan uh wesley matthews andrew holiday uh and a bit of chris middleton too uh but they were all just outstanding on DeRozan all night. I mean, he was, I think DeRozan maybe was one for his first eight or something like that. He got cooking a bit in the second and third quarters. He made in both of those periods, uh, four of his eight shots, but you know, those outer quarters pretty bad in that fourth quarter. DeRozan only, uh, is two of nine. And I think maybe the, uh, the, the biggest part of why his, line doesn't look efficient and also you know Levine he hits 50% from the field but 30 on 26 not the most efficient but we can look at this game each of the last three games today against the Suns uh the the Bulls game and the Heat game uh, a massive reason that the Bucks won all three of those games is because they were not fouling these guys uh each of those uh, not so much the Suns today without uh, their their leading scores, but when you think of DeRozan, Levine to an extent, and certainly Jimmy Butler, those guys, uh, as Andrew Goodman, our our colleague, would say, foul merchants. Uh, they they are getting to the line. They're grifting their way into all kinds of uh, questionable uh, contact that results in a whistle. Uh, and DeRozan, he was just five of five, uh, and Levine one of three from the line. Um, Jimmy Butler. Two of two only in that game earlier this week, uh, and all totaled uh, the advantage in free throw attempts for today's game. The Bucks were plus eighteen. The uh, in on Friday night they were plus twenty two, and uh, against the Heat they were plus fifteen. So they're getting the line just like they always do, but keeping the opponents off the line. Uh, a massive reason why they're winning those games. And that's a big reason why DeRozan was so ineffective. I mean, he, I think in a lot of games he's uh, he ends up maybe like instead of 11 of 30, he ends up 11 of 24, 11 of 22, because those eight shots that he missed, you know, he's getting a whistle on, but um, 
either the Bucks, you know, the 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 refs were swallowing their whistles, which uh, I didn't really think was necessarily the case, considering how much uh, since Giannis got to the line nineteen times. But uh, defending those guys, defending the these type of guys, uh, these wings who love to to get to the line, and uh, you know, we're going to be seeing uh, another one of those guys who just came to Philly pretty uh, recently too. Defending them without fouling, that's a great way to win all these games. If I was a Bulls fan, it's like I'm living in a world of magical realism. When it's on, you're like, this is the craziest shit I've ever seen in my life. Like DeMar DeRozan, he has one shot type, but he ha- he's really good at that shot type. How can you believe in your heart of heart that this is going to work over a seven-game series, not once, but four times. That's insane people talk, okay? And I, I know Lonzo Ball isn't out there, and uh, whatever, Mr. Caruso uh, is not out there. There's nobody on the roster who has a prayer in hell of guarding Giannis, and I'm sorry, I'm going to take faith in the belief that our reliable guy is going to be more reliable over the course of a series. So there's going to be like any sort of small sample size, a single game, Yes, these guys, they have like an efficient night for them. Um, and a lot of that is a credit, like Van was saying, to the Bucks defense. Um, but even if they weren't, this is like Phoenix Suns all over again. I'm like, you guys are going to just try and out jump shoot us like garbage Garbo jumpers. That's going to be your solution to this. Like, what are you doing? There's no like other option. Be Like, unless Vucevic has a crazy game. Uh, and even then, I think um, a lot of the jumpers that Vucevic has or even in the Suns game, like ja, um, Javon, uh, Jay Crowder had, it's like our miscommunication, somebody overhelping on defense, collapsing. If you can clean up on that, you don't have to worry about, I'm sorry, you don't have to worry about Vucevic killing you on the perimeter. He's not going to cross you up and then beat you. To the, like That's just not his game. So there was a lot about this game where it's like, uh, survive the Tough Shot Express. Uh, it's a lot more comfortable watching another team try to beat us via Tough Shot Express than us beat another team that way. And this just drives home every time to play the Bulls. They don't have the personnel and they don't have the system that can replicate over the course of a series. So this is why they're a cute little story, but they're nothing more than that. Uh, and this game was perfect for that. I Respect, this hurts me to say this, respect to the Bulls fan for keeping to the booing uh, Grayson Allen bit the entire time and like he would miss a shot or whatever. And they'd be like, yeah, you know, you know, I respect get them for the head. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> yes you know i mean (laughs) i i you know i mean aren't we all animals out here watching (laughs) basketball for god's sake so respect to that but do not get your hopes up this is this is a bad dream this is going to turn into a nightmare very soon i i how many times has demar Derozan done this and as adam said choker not only in this game but in every playoff series he ever played so and that he seems like a nice guy. He is a very strange thing to watch that he's like, fuck it. I'm going to do this and nobody's going to stop me. Um, but it's just that that can't survive. You can't do it. People, it's not good for them. People love DeRozan here in Chicago. They love it. Like yeah. I'm, I, I, I've met people here who are, who are maybe just, you know, more bandwagon casual bulls fans. And they're like, this DeRozan guy is great. I'm like, you know, you don't, I know you don't follow the NBA so much, but like, I have, I have to tell you like, DeRozan, like, I, this is highly a- abnormal for him. Like, respect to him for having this, like, amazing career season at this age. But like, this is, I, I mean, th- this is not the, this is the, the major exception 
to to the rule as far as DeMar DeRozan goes. Like they don't really know. It's like I hate to break it to you, but like this is this is not gonna. I don't think this can keep up. I don't think it can keep up at all. Uh, was it how funny was it that Tristan Thompson before this game? <laughs> <laughs> this dude. Minus so he's five. Yeah. So he. My man's not even on the roster when Grayson Allen executes Alex Caruso, but apparently he was in Milwaukee for the game. Right. And then Casey Johnson, for some reason, a book or a Bulls beat writer asked Tristan Thompson, a guy who'd been on the team for three days, what he thought about this. And he was like, I think Tristan Thompson was like, if you take out one of my quote dogs, I don't even know if he knew who Alex Caruso was before this question. Then let's, he was like, if you want to play chippy, let's get chippy. Giannis threw this dude through like into a trash bin, every possession down every single possession. And the only thing Tristan Thompson is doing out there is saving Nikola Vucevic the embarrassment of having that happen to him. <laughs> so I, you know, that's all good to come in. You get in that NBA money, but that guy is a fraud and he needs to watch <laughs> his mouth. I'm done talking about it. This is, it's ridiculous. I, what would, are you going to do about that? And they have that happen to you. How is come on, man. Watching, how is he watching the game? Like, okay. So the, the, the Kings were there like the day before or something like that. What's he doing? He's like, he's going to like, uh, I'll catch up. I'll catch up guys. Don't worry. Like, like, is he hanging out at like, uh, uh, like AJ bombers or like, <laughs> like somewhere one of those, one of those bars on water street, just like watching, watching the bulls and bucks game. Like, come on, man. <laughs> Whew. I mean, the, uh, there are a lot of interesting things from this. So the, I mean, one of the saddest ones was that Billy Donovan, thought that Tristan Thompson and Nikola Vucevic in the lineup together would solve the rebounding problems. <laughs> oh and then Lord. the Bucks put a 30.8% offensive rebounding rate on him, like better than our season average. Like, come on. That is <laughs> so embarrassing. These last two games has been crazy. What'd you say it was? For- Thir- it was 30.8 for the Bulls game. Too. Today it was even higher. It was 39 today, which is like That's abnormally crazy. high. So it's crazy. absolutely crazy. Which goes back to what you said, maybe looking a little bit more like the, the playoff team a little bit, which is good. I, um, when I when I saw that they were putting Tristan Thompson as in the starting lineup, I'm like, wow, this is a this is this is bound to fail. I mean, like, it's yeah, it's like it was like a basically just like a troll job. I mean, why did you think that was going to work? <laughs> why? I mean, and the other thing is, is like, it, I mean, it's not going to work. They don't have anyone to guard Giannis. Obviously, they were missing their two best backcourt defenders, which Drew to promptly took complete advantage of Io DeSumo. Uh, in you know, even even if they feel like those guys can disrupt the rhythm of, of Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday a little, like I got I got I got news for you. Chris Middleton had six turnovers in this one this game without Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso. He's not gonna be much worse than that. So like and he went nine to fifteen from the floor. So there, there's just not that much sustainable about what they're doing. They haven't seen what DeRozan does in the playoffs. Some of this stuff is going to wear off. And the there's just no way the, the, that there's just no way I could imagine perimeter defense, even if it's, you know, two dogs like Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball out there in the playoffs holding up for that long of a period when you have guys like the Bucks have to get past yeah. them. Are, are, are either of those guys going to be guarding Giannis or Chris Middleton? Maybe one, like maybe you'd see one of them guarding Chris Middleton, yeah. uh, but that's, uh, that's okay. Like, Look, you, can, the, you can do that. <laughs> the reality of basketball is the Bulls, every time down, are going to be playing three guys against five because Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan, they're not going to do squat on defense. They're going to be like, oh, sorry that happened to you, Alex, as they watch him just blow right past them. <laughs> they, you're playing three, two men down on defense every possession. That's just the truth. And uh, the, the only other guy from our side, I mean, I thought 
we did, like you guys said, great defense, great fourth quarter, everything like that. Uh, Javon Carter, uh, this was a good game for him as well. Uh, did not know he could, you know, he hit those threes. We had a feeling maybe he could, but he proved it. This is proof of concept. And we, I don't know if we'll talk more about him in the heat game or what, but I just want to give a shout out to him. Today was, you know, he, the thing about him that I'm seeing very in super limited minutes so far, he has a lot of speed, but he like hasn't figured out as Serge hasn't figured out the defense. Uh, Javon Carter hasn't really figured out the offense per se, because the way he'll attack, he'll like get to the paint and then he'll stop and be like, oh, crap. Nobody else is with me. And then he looks for somebody else to pass to. It's like if there was just a little bit better of an understanding, um, I like his moving on offense, like going into the wings and everything. Uh, I like the way he plays defense. We need somebody who's going to just like hit you on the head when you try to do a pick and roll or whatever. Um, So I just wanted to give a shout out to Javon Carter. He had a good game against the Bulls and uh, he's had some good minutes. I think more promising than DeAndre Bembry so far uh, in their minutes on the floor for the Bucs. Totally. I, I, I'm really enjoying Carter, uh, especially like on defense. I think he, he looks great. I thought he did a great job on Kyrie Irving last week and um, also did well on LaMelo Ball as that game kept going. But the, the how about him leaking out uh, after that Zach Levine three with what, like 20 seconds left to get wide open, basically at the block on the other end of the court and Middleton just delivering an absolute bullseye bounce pass to him down the court like that's the the awareness of that to just be like oh man like we can get a really easy transition bucket at a time when yeah maybe you want to run down the clock a little bit more but uh they went immediately they immediately erased the impact of that three basically because they were able to just get open on the other end um but i did want to mention uh adam talked about the turnovers uh Chris Middleton, he had, yes, he had six in this game. Uh, in the first quarter, he had three. The Bucks as a whole, six turnovers in the first quarter. Second quarter, three. The third quarter, just, uh, they, they had four. Fourth quarter, zero. Um, today's game, uh, going back to that, uh, they ended up with, with, uh, with 14 turnovers, which is not great, but 10 of those were in the first half. Um, there wasn't as big of a turnover issue against uh, the Heat. Uh, they had... Uh, I believe six in each half, but that's uh, that as turnovers have been an issue lately. I also noticed that they are doing a great job of cleaning things up as the game goes along. They're uh, tightening up their handles. They're not making as many, maybe like weird, like outlet or uh, not outlet passes, like uh, uh, feeds down below that are trying to get through too many arms and legs from the opponents. Uh, And when, I think you know if if there if that effort was there from the beginning in each of these games, um, these are more like you know wire to wire victories because uh, points off turnovers were really like the only reason in the first halves of each of these games lately why the other team was like you know in these games or at least I, I should say they were always in the game but they were you know the games were tied or like they were within a couple possessions because of turnovers. Yeah, and in the aggregate, that hasn't been a huge problem. They're they're tenth in the league in terms of the tenth fewest in terms of turnover percentage. So it hasn't been a huge problem. But they just they do lately, always seem though, yeah. Lately, lately they have been bad, good. and they do yeah. seem they're just so frustrating, right? It's just one of those parts of basketball that sticks out so much. So mm-hmm. now, I think we need to move on to the Heat game, which was the most exciting game of the week. And I don't even want to say anything about it. I just want to let Riley um, start <laughs> us off with uh, with some words. 
it's a real shame Kyle isn't here because I know Kyle would have some words. Uh, I remember at the end of the first round series last year, I said on this podcast that he fans are despicable and I hope I never hear from you again. And I let's go back to that one more time because it's true. Uh, Jimmy Butler. Uh, I, I liked that very final position that he absolutely blew. Like what? I don't know what he was doing. And then he fell over and Giannis got to him to force the jump ball. And they did the replay after the fact. And you could see in his face, he knew they lost. He knew somewhere deep inside his soul. He like, I just blew it. We just lost the game. And Spolstra had the same exact look on his face. The the medal of the Bucks to put together a final run. And I, I went back and rewatched the final like six minutes or so. Um, because it can be easy with runs like this. Like, man, we were just hitting everything. The other team wasn't doing anything. The Heat had a couple of like nice possessions, a couple of like hero jumpers, things like that. So it wasn't just all Bucks. But to keep coming, like, okay, we're, the lead is down to eight. Oh, they just put it back up to 10. All right, now it's down to seven. Now it's down to five. Now it's back up to seven. Like, to keep powering through like that. Um, and on top of all that, the big three, they play big minutes. And to execute at the very end, um, I don't know what the hell Vincent is out there, why they have him man garden holiday. I mean, I know it was kind of a, you know, a busted <laughs> possession, like, just kind of running it. But, like... Bad choice. I don't know what you were thinking there, but the like the presence of mind of Drew and the rest of the players, like let's just let's go for it. Let's get the win right now. Um, I, I just thought it was a beautiful thing. I there was a lot about this game that was annoying. Obviously, the fact that you go down fourteen and then you flip on the switch to get there. But what mattered most in this game and in all all four of the games, but the three games that all pretty much went tight was how did the Bucks execute at the very end. And in all three games they did at the heights of what we had seen last year, it was like, oh, okay, we're starting to like figure out how to close games out. This week was the first week in a very long time. It was like, oh, we look like a ti- the kind of team that's like able to close things out. So long as you keep it like maintain contact, we can figure it out. Obviously, you don't want to have to come back from 14 down every game if you could avoid it because it's kind of hard to do. Um, but full credit to them. And again, very funny to have seen the absolute soul just leave Jimmy Butler. What was, what was the stat he scored? However, like six points. And then he played 36 minutes or like there was then ap- no points. Of ga- <laughs> That's so, how does that happen? How in 19 seconds, zero points. <laughs> I know he's like said publicly. He's like, Oh, I love like creating for other guys. And like, man, that's a tough <laughs> white flag to be raising when your guy is going to be making 50 million in like three seasons. Um, not good for them. So uh, good, good for the Bucks. Not good for the Heat. Uh, and again, Heat fans are despicable. And I'm, I hope I never hear from you again. I, I hate the Heat. I think more than any other team. It's not so much the fans. I just kind of hate the organization and a lot of the players and the whole culture propaganda bullshit. Like I, uh, Heat, Heat culture. In the words of Paul Christ, Heat culture, my fucking ass is. Uh, I just, it, and Butler is like. Butler is sort of the poster child for it, right? Because he's he he he'd been he'd worn out his welcome in three other NBA cities, uh, and infamously in in Minnesota because he's he's sort of this cranky asshole, right? Like they they he the he he doesn't like Wiggins, he doesn't like Towns, he thinks that they're just soft or whatever. He goes to uh, Philly and. Um, I think he had that same kind of issue with with Simmons, which like yeah, I understand. But he comes to Miami, and this is like the, 
perfect fit for him. He's this gym rat. He's this like, like this. No days off, bro. Yeah, no yeah, days yeah. off. Stup- <laughs> stupidly locked in, like all that kind of garbage. <laughs> uh, I just, I think it's, I was just looking at this, like Jimmy Butler, his first year in Miami, he, he, he only played one of the three matchups in the regular season. And then we know in the playoffs, he had a, his first game, he had a 40 point game. He had a 30 point game in that series. The rest of his games, he's under 20 points. He barely plays in against the Bucks in the regular season. Last year, he only played he did not play at all during the regular season against the Bucks last year. Then he comes into the NBA uh in the playoffs in that first round and he is outscored by Bryn Forbes famously in that series. You know, he his output 17-10, 19-12. He shoots uh under 40% uh well under 40% for that entire series. This year, he played in the first game 21 points on uh, – well, the, yeah, the first game of the year they played him. 21 points on 10 shots. Heat win big. Has not – he did not play in the next two games. Then he comes in and he lays this absolute egg, like the, the worst one the – worst, the worst performance he's had against the Bucks in a, like in a, in a, in a pattern of, of really bad games that's been dating back to really just the, the bubble. Like after the bubble, he's played like crap against the and uh, there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, they defend him really well, but uh, I think it's just—I think it's just great. I mean, I'm not a—I I think he's a great player. I think he's a jerk, uh, and I love seeing him. Uh, just—I I don't think he's, it's talked about enough how much the Bucks have his number right now because Jimmy Butler is this very well-respected player around the NBA and also by the media. But uh, the Bucks totally own him at this point. It's like we we talk, we joke about how uh, after how they handled Bam Adebayo in that first round last year, and they were doing it again uh, in the early stages of this game. Like how they are up in his head, especially what Brooke Lopez was able to do to them last year. But uh, let's talk about how I think I think we we I think everyone needs to recognize like the that that Jimmy Butler is just like. Uh, it turns into a complete pumpkin against the Bucks, and I'm totally here for that. Always here for that. The roughest look for him too is that I mean, from what I remember, Giannis wasn't the primary defender for the majority of this game against no. him. Which, 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 which I sort of presumed that was last was, year. Yes, yeah, I sort of playoffs, presumed yeah. that was sort of the adjustment Bud made, and that shut him down. But he he wasn't even the primary defender in this game. He goes two for fourteen. I mean, that is that is embarrassing. And then, but. I mean, Bam's being guarded by Bobby, and it's Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis, of all people, is giving him the Brooke Lopez treatment. Like, that, that is really rough. And he actually – he wound up sort of finding his way yeah, into the game. you could see him figure it out at yes. the end of the game. Like, oh, this is not Brooke Lopez. <laughs> yes. I, I'm able to do this. But, I mean, just the sheer fact that the Bucks were able to pull this one out was entirely reliant on their ability to prevent, prevent Miami from making almost any mid-range shots. They were pretty decent at the rim. But the amount of threes that Miami was making were ridiculous. I mean, 21 of 44, and they were not if, – if we look back at, at the annals of Bucks history and frustrating games in turn of, terms of teams that have made a lot of threes, this would rank very low for me because these were contested jumpers. These were not like Miami's beautiful machinery or whatever, creating open looks. Maybe some Duncan Robinson ones with some good like elevator screens and that kind of stuff. But like these were really hard looks. Yeah, I was – gonna say like we I, I talked about this in in the the recap i wrote um but we talked uh today uh going tying this back to the to the the suns game um it was clear like they needed to make some sort of adjustment they needed to stop switching as much they needed to stick with their assignments more it was the opposite in this game like they uh were hanging back too much 
on on screens in that, especially in that second quarter when you saw uh, Duncan Robinson easily free himself up around uh, usually uh, uh, Adebayo or or Deadman and just get an easy open three that he would drain. Uh, and I, I I saw this going on. It's like you know what they really do need to switch these screens now. I mean the the Bucks lately get a little too switch happy, and you want to see them working uh with their their drop scheme a bit more um especially when they're getting abused by a guy like Aiton but there was a very obvious choice that uh Bud needed to make a half and he did that which made that like every every shot every jump shot in that third or that fourth uh, that second half was always contested i only remember seeing one really open three. It was in the corners, PJ Tucker. I, I think he made it, but all these shots that Vincent, especially and, and hero were making in that second half, like just insanely high degree of difficulty. Um, same thing that was happening with Kyrie Irving last weekend too, but you kind of expect it from someone like that. Uh, and less so from someone like Gabe Vincent. So I, I was very pleased with their defense. It wouldn't look like, it wouldn't look very good on a on a on a stat sheet, but I mean, they were covering up everything very well. I thought. Well, and probably what's like even more gratifying about it is you have this situation where they have to make this change, and in years past, like say it's you know the, the even just like the Heat series last year, we have this um, Duncan Robinson is like oh he's like he keeps getting free, and then we wait until kind of survive that and then game two we make the switch and we essentially ice that guy out the fact that we see quite clearly in like within the flow of a single game where boonholzer is notorious for like fuck it you guys do whatever you want we're gonna play random uh and i'm gonna just kind of like we'll see how it goes at the very end um and in this game he's like you know we we have this change where we're gonna shift it up at halftime um we're gonna change not like holistically but like just some of our emphases and that, you know, if we keep working at that, all the better. Like, let's, I know we're experimenting with different schemes, different looks, things like that. But let's like within the flow of the game, not just simply like, all right, uh, a switch is out. Let's do a two, three zone. Like, let's, let's do the switch, but can we refine it a little bit? So I, I find that encouraging as well. And that you get the results as like, hey, hopefully this encourages Budenholzer. Um, he's not going to change and be like, oh, well, now we're going to play. Christianus and Drew heavy minutes from here on out until oblivion. That's not going to change. But the fact that you can change emphases within the game effectively uh, speaks well of the way that they're coached. And then um, obviously of the willingness of the coaching staff at Budenholzer to be like, let's, let's shift it up a little bit and see if we can fix this. And they did. So good for them. It's a great week for Bud. I gotta say like he had an awesome week as a coach. Yeah. Good week for good, good, good. The other good thing about the Heat game was the was Giannis, I thought. 28 points, 17 rebounds. He had only been averaging 15 points a game against the Heat so far this season. And he, he was good against them, obviously, in last year's first round. I thought it was his worst series of the, the playoffs, actually. He, his, his assists were much higher. If you go back and look, he averaged like eight assists a game, which were significant, and players were knocking that down. But for him to be able to come back in the fourth quarter of this one, after I, after I would say not really having much of a rhythm, but... Anytime they gave him a sliver of room, especially in transition, he was just going at the heat interior over and over and over and knocking and just as importantly, knocking down the free throws. So I thought it was big for for his confidence. Not that he needs like a confidence boost, but it was good for him against the heat to see him have a, have the ability to to really pour in the points when he's when he struggled against them packing the paint so much. 
Yeah, it was all about in that fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And it makes yeah. conceptual sense as well, because Adebayo, he has no outside game at all. So no matter how much they try to position him at the elbow to be like a pivot around which to run an offense, um, depending on where the rebounds go, if Giannis goes all out, he has a chance of just beating him down the court either way. And then, again, looking through list, maybe PJ Tucker could kind of get in the way. But a lot of these guys are going to be forced to foul to like try and stop the freight train. So, uh, yes, another situation where you look up and down the roster, and you're like, I don't really see who, depending on how they, I mean, Bam Adebayo could play Giannis straight up probably pretty well, but depending on how he shifts, um, you know, he should be able to take advantage of it, which again, kind of circles back to the Giannis is at like a different level, all encompassing, like, let's just recognize I can do this. This is going to be a lot easier for me to score and get my points up. So uh, credit to you, Giannis, for that. I really don't think Bam Adebayo is the answer against Giannis at all. Um, I think that was the popular uh, sentiment after the bubble, um, after that breakout season that Bam had, which I think uh, put him into a strata that he doesn't really belong in, in terms of like caliber, uh, caliber player in the league. I think he's a great player. I think he's like a, you know, kind of like a borderline all-star type guy, but he's nowhere near as good as I think people were making him out to be. And, I thought that was a perfect encapsulation of it that fourth quarter. I mean, he had uh, Giannis got to line six times, uh, four personals from from Bam in that quarter. I mean, we saw it last year. Uh, I think to an extent, like I mean, Giannis was not steamrolling the Heat, and he didn't do anything quite like he did in this you know fourteen point fourth quarter he had on Wednesday, but uh, the Heat don't really have anyone who can stop him. PJ Tucker is maybe a better choice, but still he can't do it. I mean, there's no one really on any team in the East right now who I would like, who who really concerns me about like, Oh, if we're facing this team, if like, you know, who's, who's this guy could really give Giannis trouble. I mean, you think about the heat as being a team who can do it as a whole, but how much of that was due to uh, previous personnel they had like Jay Crowder, for example. Um, I thought Jay Crowder always did a lot better of job on Giannis than, than Bam did. And they probably could, that, that was, I think a major loss for the heat last year was not having Jay Crowder. And uh, well, uh, guys like Max Struess and Caleb Martin uh, are not going to replace him. PJ Tucker can do a decent job, I guess. But uh, that year they also had, uh, who else did they have uh, checking Giannis that year in the, in that bubble series? I kind of whitewashed that series out of my memory, but Jay Crowder was the main guy on him. I thought. Yeah, something tells me Udonis Haslam is not going to be the answer either. Uh, is he still on know? the roster? Yes, yes he, he is, is on the roster. Did you see yeah. how at the end of the game, like, okay, uh, Drew had, you know, he, he put he put Gabe Vincent into the stanchion right at the end of the game because, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, he's Gabe Stanchion is, is, a, is a fucking baby. Or, or Gabe, mm-hmm. Gabe Vincent's a fucking baby. Gabe um, Stanchion. No, Gabe he's called Gabe He became one with the stanchion. <laughs> he really did. Um, so... Uh, and 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 Drew Holiday's this like you know this 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 big burly point guard who has no time for young weak defensive guards, and they're not going to whistle that. They're never going to whistle that in the closing seconds of the game. Like it wasn't really a very obvious push off either. And then Udonis Haslam like comes right over. Like someone was going up to the ref and sort of trying to plead their case. I forget who it was. Uh, from the heat it may have been it it may have been like it may have been Vincent it may have been 
uh, like, I don't know, Caleb Martin or someone. And Haslam just goes over and just pushes the younger guy out of the way and just starts, like, <laughs> getting in the ref's face. Like, <laughs> and I was like, come on, dude. Like, <laughs> like uh, you would – That's it's just typical. I think – I they talk about – that's another thing that pisses me off so much about the Heat. Like, the, the, the Heat culture, everyone's like, oh, Haslam, he's this great, great vet who, like, you know, like, best teammate. And, like, okay, I, I believe he's a good teammate especially to the guys in that locker room. But uh, I think it's stupid to still have him on the roster, taking up a spot. Um, he does not play. Just make him a coach. What Another the hell? Another assistant make him coach. A coach. Okay, and guys, guys wait, stop. That is, that is, Thanasis is growing into the Udonis Haslam with the Bucks. You realize <laughs> oh, no, that, right? No. Yes. Yeah, he's going to be around forever, and they're not, Come on. they're going to keep the roster spot. Yes. We, we need like, to right take now, a look in the mirror really quickly, okay? Okay, but right now, like, Thanasis well, yes, yeah. versus Udonis Haslam, I'd love to see that like cage match or just, you know, <laughs> any 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 sort of matchup between those two because I I just I don't know I think I think Udonis Haslam's just kind of a jerk like I've the stuff he's he says and things he said in the media stuff he's done like in game like especially that which I saw the other night it's like come on dude like get over yourself like just you don't need to stick up for these guys off the bench like you look dumb. I don't. I don't want us to get too high our own supply, um, <laughs> but I do believe that it, it's easier to like get that way when you're winning a whole bunch of games. Um, but it is like easy to look at other teams. Like I don't know how you're going to stop Giannis. And I did see the fear of God in Bam Adebayo's eyes last year. He looked. He looked scared in the series last year. And I'm sorry. That's tough to come back, bounce back a year later. And I saw Jimmy Butler's soul leave his face uh, at the end of this game. So uh, it fe- feeling pretty, pretty good about all things considered that there's not many answers for these teams, for Giannis especially, which I, I think prior to this past playoff run, you could have been like, oh, well, you know, if they they scheme it up right, they could probably slow down Giannis. I think we we have, we we probably in like the Brew Hoop community or Bucks fans recognize it a little bit more than everybody else, but there's still a trail for everybody else to be like, oh, Giannis is at like a different level for just his, just simply his control. And that's like very popular for people to say, I know I saw Bill Simmons talking about Jason Tatum, like Jason Tatum's, his control is just on a different level. That's like the final thing that guys have to unlock. I think it's true for Giannis, whether it's true for other guys, we'll have to see, but that's, that's the big differentiator that has been throughout this entire season and going forward. Absolutely. All right. Well, last game of the week, Bucks beat the Hornets 130 to 106. Let's, I mean, it was kind of a beat down. They, the fourth quarter, not much happened. The Bucks really poured it on 44 points in the second quarter. Hornets, it started looking when, when Miles Bridges hit two threes, it started looking like we were, we were getting ready for yet again, another role player outlier night from the opponent, which is, which is just the most insufferable thing, but they end up just 35% from deep. And, and really the Bucks after that second quarter ban, they just, they, they boat raised them. I mean, it was over. I think uh, Miles Bridges to me is he's better than a role player. For, but, it's, it's, yeah, okay, yeah. but yeah, you but know. What I, I, mean. I, I see. I know what you mean. I mean that first quarter they were six of thirteen from deep. Uh, I was tied at at the end of it, thirty two points. Um, then of course the the second quarter they just start annihilating them. Uh, but I, I think the who who is concerning me a bit more was Lamella Ball. Uh, we saw him have a pretty big game. Uh, in the first matchup of the year between these two teams, and this was uh, th- that that was that was the game where who 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 won it? I forget who hit the who hit the shot to win it for the Bucks. Um, that was the uh, wasn't that, I mean that, they, was, that wait, was the that play was, that, that, was, that was that was the Giannis, Giannis yes, play. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That was that Giannis play. Um, 
And Ball early in this game was looking great. In the first quarter, he had 13 points. He hit, but he only missed one shot. Um, and that's someone you you trust uh, Drew Holiday to deal with. And indeed, like they they were matched up really that entire their minutes matched up that entire first quarter. But um, they shut him down the rest of the game. He only scored nine points the rest of the game, and uh, he started you know breaking shots. He was one of five in in the second quarter, and he was two of five in the third quarter and then the, the game was done. And then he like played only a few minutes in the fourth quarter and that was it. So uh, talking about uh, Carter earlier, like I thought Carter and Wesley Matthews were the big reasons for that. Like they came into the game uh, and these uh, Lamella balls, a big, a big dude. He's what, like six, eight, maybe. Um, but Holiday, like, that doesn't really, you know, Holiday has, so he's a longer guy, but Holiday has the strength and also some of the length to deal with them. But, uh, and and Carter and Matthews aren't any bigger, really, than, than Drew Holiday, but the way they defended him was so much more effective, I found. Like, they were going right at him at the point of attack instead of maybe, you know, like, waiting off him a bit and giving him an extra step. And that was a major reason, I thought, for that game turning around right away at the start of the second quarter, uh, 44 to 21 second quarter and the rest of the game, you know, no problem. They really needed that win after the, 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 the debacle against, uh, against the nets. And uh, it's just nice to see them. It was, I think it was, it was nice for us as fans, but also just for them probably to, to see them take on like a, a decent team um, and just completely mop the floor with them. Uh, I didn't watch this game. I'm just going to admit that, so I don't really care. Uh, why is Mason Plumley, whatever Plumley it is, why is he still starting? This dude must be the greatest coach's pet of all time because he is racking up starts they deeper no in his career than. Well, they didn't they trade for Harold though? I yeah, know he's not like, like he's not he's, pure size, but yeah, I mean he's like six seven, six eight. They need someone like an actual center on that team. Um, he's okay. He's he's not bad. He's like. Never been like that great of a player, but they need someone who can play the middle, especially against you know when you have Bobby Portis and uh, and Giannis going off against you. So yeah, I don't know. Harold ended up playing twenty five minutes. Plumlee only seventeen. Uh, if you're gonna do that, just have Plumlee come off the bench for God's sake. What is he doing? What kind of sets are you running for Mason Plumlee for God's sake? That it makes sense to have him out there to start the game. Come on, let's be for real. Harold's one of those guys who's yeah. He's just one of those guys who's like he's a bench player. Like he comes, he was almost six man of the year a few years ago. So they're just doing that, which I don't know. I mean, it was nice to see them actually shut down Harold. He's uh, been the guy who's had a lot of success against the Bucks in the last several years. He's only one of eight from the field for nine points, Uh, did hit seven of his eight free throws, but still uh, just seeing them deal with his like brand of really tenacious interior, uh, like sort of like mini center mini shack kind of uh, game is nice to see them like stomp that out for the first time because they didn't do it against the when he was on the wizards earlier this year they weren't doing it this is a stupid note but i just want to say so harrell obviously had that cheap shot on Giannis in mm-hmm. the last wizards game so the equivalent for us to our tristan thompson would be like javon <laughs> carter right so like Eric name goes up like, Oh, you know, what do you think about him taking out your dog Giannis in that game? Is that, is that our equivalent guy? If we're like, is Javon Carter's like, if, if Harold wants to play chippy, let's play chippy. Is that our equivalent? Uh, maybe Derek Jones jr. But, uh, 
Sure, I see where you're going. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's the only point I add on that. So, <laughs> well, a solid week. How how do we feel? Do we do we did does this four and zero week remind us of anything? Change our perception of the team? You know, where are you sitting at with with how you're feeling about the team now, Riley? After a more positive week. Uh, obviously I feel a lot better and I think we're never going to lose a game again. So <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, no, I, I think they, are still enough stupid. We do enough stupid that at some point it may or may not drown us. And I, I do not like that. Uh, if we can clean up some of the more simple stuff, but, uh, comes back to who has the most talents. Do we have enough talent? Seems against a lot of teams. Uh, we're going to have plenty of talent. Um, so I, I feel pretty positive about it. If I was to pick one of the games that to me was like the most exciting, most uh, vindicating, I guess it's got to be the Heat. If we go like Heat, Bulls, Suns would be the pecking order. Um, but the Bulls game, that's very satisfying to go down there after they talk all this mess and then especially their fans and then just be like, ah, never mind, you're not going to win again. So uh, yeah, good game, good week. Uh, I, I feel pretty good thing about things, all things considered. I do too. I think... I think I mentioned it earlier, but this week showed me, you know, this team's got a lot of, a lot of balls um, to be able to pull off the, the win, uh, especially on Wednesday against the heat, but also uh, the last two games as well. Um, uh, and I have been keeping an, I, I mean, I'm not as much keeping an eye on the standing so much lately because things are so, I mean, they're still only a game and a half back from being fifth, which is Boston right now, but they're also, uh, three games back in the standing, just like Philly is uh, after Philly lost to Miami um, of of that top seed. So it's still like in the realm of possibility for sure. And I don't think uh, when last week they fell down to fifth, it's like, relax, like this is not that big a deal with how much time is left and how bunched up everything is. And also at the same time, it's like, oh, they're, they're now in third, which is frankly, that's a good spot to be like right now. It's if you were playing, you would play Cleveland in the first round instead of Toronto or or, or Boston, which, you know, Toronto or uh, Boston or Cleveland, I would rather face in Toronto personally. But uh, so I'm not, I don't get too high or too low about the standings. However, I look at the record 40 and 25. Now um, we, we, we look at 50 games, winning 50 games is a good barometer for like an elite team. And I was a little concerned that uh, after like some of the lead into the, the, the all-star break, they weren't going to get there right now. Um, they go 10 and seven, which uh, seems a lot more palatable now than uh, the the thirteen and seven that we were looking at uh, just three games ago with this very difficult schedule to to go. Um, they could get to that fifty win barrier, and uh, that's a top seed in in the East. It would be, uh, I think it would it would only amount to a like a, a more of like a four or a three in the in the West right now, but. Uh, the East is the better conference right now this year. And uh, I just, I, when I see the Bucks at that kind of level, playing it with that kind of uh, like the, the level that indicative of a 50 game team, it's like, or 50 win team. It's like, okay, this is a team that can win the championship again. Uh, and that was nice to see come back out this week, especially against these really high tier opponents. How about you, Adam? How do, how do you feel about the team? I feel good. I mean, I thought this week was a great reminder that, the team is not a juggernaut team and last year's playoffs was not a juggernaut team. There was a ton of dark moments in there. I mean, the team did annoying stuff, right? You go up two one against Atlanta, you have all the momentum and then whether Giannis gets hurt or not in that game, 
they were going to lose. I mean, they laid a huge egg in the first half of that game in Atlanta. I mean, they're, they basically forgot how to play offense for the first two games of the net series. They gave a game to almost every opponent in every round throughout the playoffs, right? Like this is, this is sort of the whole Bucks experience and it's, it, it makes you, it makes you sick to your stomach and then it makes you overjoyed to, to no degree. Right. So it was a good reminder to me that this isn't like, this isn't the 16, 17 warriors. This like probably isn't, you know, this isn't like Jordan's bulls or whatever. Like, and I didn't watch those teams. I'm sure those teams had like annoying stuff that frustrated them. Like this is a really good team that has a really good chance to win a championship, but there's probably going to be some stupid stuff along the way. They're going to lose some games. They probably should have won. And that's just kind of the whole experience we're probably going to go through this year. I'm glad you mentioned this like juggernaut thing. I think we got a little uh, we got a little indoctrinated in the first two years of Bud to having this like amazing regular season team, this 60 win type team. And that was also at a time coming off of the Warriors dynasty where you are you are expecting the team that wins the championship to just be steamrolling teams all the time. And it goes back a little bit like into I mean we, we the Jordan years, of course, but in those intervening times between, like, let's say the Jordan super teams, uh, the Lakers super teams to uh, LeBron's super team. It's like even even those Heat teams like they I mean, they weren't getting the number one seed every year. Um, the and of course, the 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 Warriors lost to the to the Cavs the one year because Draymond Green decided to kick LeBron in the nuts. And there's this is. There are a lot of different ways a team can win a championship rather than just like destroying teams in the regular season and having like this kind of run like some of those Lakers teams with Shaq did. Uh, look at how the Spurs won. I mean, the Spurs always had good regular seasons, but were they ever like um, thought of at any point maybe going into the playoffs as like the the clear favorite to win? Certainly not against the those Heat teams, uh, which you know they are they maybe could have won two championships against the Heat. And um, with the exception maybe of like the very first Spurs team with David Robinson and uh, and Tim Duncan, like I don't know if any team after that was necessarily regarded as like a clear favorite going into the playoffs. And who is an assistant coach on all those teams? Mike Budenholzer. I, I just see that as a – obviously uh, any parallels you can make to the Spurs uh, you feel really good about. But um, last year, I mean, the Bucks were – just a lot like this too. I mean, there was a lot of frustrating aspects, but after the all-star break last year, they really turned it on. And all of a sudden it was like, okay, they're, this is, this is the team we expect them to be. And that's what I think they're doing now too. All right. That's our, that's our takes on the bucks. What a, what a great week. So much better than losing. I really love winning. That is delightful. All right. We're going to take a quick break on the other side of this miscellaneous topics. We'll close it out. Stay tuned. All right, it's time for rapid fire. I got the questions this week. Let me pull them up here. Okay, Riley, you answer first and then Van. All right, first question. You're going to see a play. Would you rather see a musical or like a, a, a straight drama or comedy play? Straight drama. I can't stand musicals. I can't, I can't believe Kyle listens to the soundtracks just whenever. Kyle, I love you, but I can't believe you just listen to the soundtracks. That's crazy people behavior. Straight drama for sure. Uh, for me, musicals, I don't listen to the soundtrack so much, but, uh, and most musicals are, uh, there are a lot of bad musicals, but, uh, there's some awesome musicals and, uh, they're a lot of fun to see performed live, uh, a little, a lot more fun for me. So, but I'm not one of those crazy people who listens to soundtracks now. Like, 
I want to see the actual show. Mm, yeah, but not one of those people. All right, temp- temperature <laughs> you like to set your house at, uh, your thermostat, in the winter and the summer? Ooh, that's a uh, good question. So, I, I, oh, go ahead. You, <laughs> oh, uh, so we have radiators. So it's, there's two options, on or off. So uh, on means it's like a freaking jungle in here and like 80 degrees <laughs> and off means there's no heat whatsoever. Um, so I guess 80 degrees in the winter uh, and then oh in the summer, um, it's a big old like brick house. So this bad boy retains that heat. So we have like the and of course, we have to have window mountain mounted units as well. So whatever <laughs> people can see it, but Adam's reactions are great. So whatever the coldest option is on those, usually we keep the AC off during the day and then um, to make sleeping tolerable, we just have it on in the bedroom at night. So really cold in the summer in one room and then hot as hell in the winter <laughs> are my two options. I do 68. Um, I've been having, I had some issues with my, my thermostat here actually not too long ago. And uh, I don't know, summer, pretty much the same. Uh, I've, was in a house kind of like Riley last year where it was, yeah, just, uh, uh, I was having to, I had no control over those radiators too. I was having to open the window in the, in the winter, not to be like, you know, sweating through my mattress pad. Oh, all right. I, I am spoiled. I, I am entitled. I, I need central air and I need, uh, <laughs> central. <laughs> I can't do go back to the radiator stuff. All right. So the bucks are coming down. Um, they're, they're stifling all the big three, and they need to make a pass to a role player to hit the game-winning shot. Riley, would you rather have Wes, Javon Carter, or Jordan Wara taking the potential <laughs> game winner? Can I have Dante? Dante in a Kings <laughs> uniform, please. <laughs> um, man, Wes has been kind of rough around the edges the past couple of weeks. Um... I don't know. Javon Carter seems like a nice guy. If I have to go to the wall for him, I'll have Javon. I can't trust Jordan Wara. Come on. I've seen too much. I have to choose Javon for sure. You know who I'm going to say. My, uh, my, my, <laughs> my, 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 uh, my fellow. Good friend. Alumni. Yeah. Good friends. <laughs> I mean, we, 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 we've, we've spoken to each other. It's been many years, but in fact, you know, I should tell the story about my my Wesley Matthews story because for the listeners, I did go to high school with with Wesley Matthews, and I was in a class with him. So he's who I would pick. He's shot under. He's shot like twenty percent from three the last month. But <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to go with anyone but but my man Wes. So. All right, that's fair. You're right or die. All right, Riley. What are your uh, preferred hot dog toppings? Uh, I actually go Chicago style, uh, which is blasphemous coming out of my mouth, but I am originally from Illinois, so I get to claim that one piece of being a fib. So, uh, you know, whatever, like onion, relish, mustard, tomato, um, obviously the hot dog itself. And then isn't, I think it's like one more thing. Oh, poppy seed bun. I don't, you know. I don't really go simple. Don't they put Jardinera on them? No, they don't. I don't think for Chicago, maybe some places do, but I don't think traditional Chicago style. So a little full, but not like so crazy that I can't even bite into the thing without it falling apart. I'm not a hot dog fan. I want a brat or a kielbasa. If it's a hot dog, I don't really care what's on it. I'll just, if that's the only thing there is to eat, just like down the hatch. Don't care. Well, I'm I'm allowing you a little creative liberty here. Let's say it's a brat then. What would you put on your brat? Uh, kraut and uh, <laughs> he said creative liberty not how wisconsin can i be <laughs> no no i'm serious like with with the I, sour, I, I want sauerkraut and i want like uh, uh spicy brown mustard like a a german like a like 
the the Coop's Dusseldorf mustard. That's wonderful. Or a Polish mustard. Uh, Uncle Phil's Polish. Uh, we should get them to sponsor this podcast. I fucking love mustard, man. <laughs> uh, I will. I will. I will shill for any good like horseradish or spicy mustard, especially the ones made in Wisconsin. So yes, Uncle Phil. Uncle Phil, give us a call. All right, Riley. Skinny tie, large tie, or bow tie. Oh, for, I, was, I thought you were going to ask about pasta type. Oh, sorry. Like, I don't know if I know <laughs> no, what a pasta no, no, on a, like on a suit. Uh, so, what was the middle option? So skinny tie. Skinny tie, like slightly fatter tie or a bow tie. I would do a, um, I'd do skinny tie, actually. Uh, I like having like a nice, well-fitting sport sport jacket, suit coat action with a thin tie. That'd be, I'm not a bow tie guy. Uh, I just, I don't have the head for it. You have to have the right kind of head for it, I think. Totally agree. Uh, skinny tie with um, a nice, well-fitting, well-fitting suit and uh, like a white shirt. That's a, that's a great look. That's like my that's that's my my go-to when I wear a suit. If I have keep to wear it a simple, mm-hmm. keep it simple. Beautiful. Last one here. In or out on Javon Carter's two-color shoes. <laughs> I was literally talking to my brother before. I was like, I hate it when dudes, <laughs> and it must have been subliminal because I didn't see him out there. I was like, I hate it when dudes have off color shoes or whatever uh i'm out on it this is like it's slightly better than dante's ruby red slippers but not by a whole bunch uh in why not i don't, I don't <laughs> all right i'm not that's i'm good. not a big i'm not a big sneaker guy so go all right it, well that's on. good that's that's kind of you all right that's that's my rapid fire van it's time for van's warp tour <laughs> um i want to <laughs> Just because this, I don't know when I'll be on the podcast next, I want to tell this Wesley Matthews story because I've been meaning to do it every time I was on this pod. Uh, and now that he's back, this is probably the first time I've been on since he's been back on the team. Uh, Wesley Matthews and I, we went to high school together. He's two years ahead of me. We had uh, we took uh, psychology together, like uh, AP psychology. Uh, I, I always liked him. Really nice guy. Um, he was pretty soft-spoken, but a smart dude. Um, and in class, we had a a dream analysis unit uh, where uh, we had this, we had this great teacher. Her name is Miss, Miss Gil Casado, Miss Gil, uh, shout out to Miss Gil. And she uh, just said, you know, keep a dream journal, come in, you'll, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. Um, and Wesley Matthews comes in and at the time, you know, he's on our basketball team, which was, we had just won our state championship. Uh, we won our state championship that year. And, the team was so good that they were uh, flying out of state to sometimes play like um, or not flying, just traveling. They would go play maybe a top team in Minnesota, uh, top teams in Illinois. Maybe they do some tournaments or whatnot. So they're traveling together as a team. And he says, oh, I have this dream where uh, we're flying like and I'm next to this other guy who is on the team. Um, and Miss Gill is talking about that a bit. And she says, well, and also, um, you know this that this is just one interpretation, but uh, you know Sigmund Freud he would he would think that he, he always thought that flying was uh, was just a stand in for sex, <laughs> and then um, everyone's just because he's just gotten done talking about his teammate. But I just remember the look on his face. Wesley Matthews is like, whoa, like no, 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 and we're all just like kind of like, uh-huh. and he's just like, okay, okay, okay. Anyway, that's. That's my Wesley Matthews story. That's like the one thing I remember from him from high school. Um, anyway, Warp Tour. Uh, this is for you, Riley. I know you're a, a, a big uh, German, uh, Germanic culture aficionado. 
and the song you this is you had heard of the last song I had brought up on this which was an Italian song. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one I won't be surprised if you've heard if you've heard of too. If not, I'll be sending it to you. It's called Zupagayo. It's by Friedrich Liechtenstein, who is um, a gentleman from Berlin uh, who once had a a job uh, as he 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 was this um, I think this this old this sort of like he had gone through like uh, a bunch of jobs when he was younger uh, like dishwasher like uh, cook whatever he gets a degree in puppetry he becomes a puppeteer and then he he lost his job he like became like a, a, he became homeless he lost his wife and stuff he was but he had this kind of artistic sense about him he was hired by a museum in germany to be an ornamental hermit like someone who just like lived in the in this museum in like a glass like by, behind a bunch of glass windows uh there's this i'll send you this article about it so he was like just living in this like he like a homeless guy living in an art museum in berlin like just i, I guess just doing his thing like they were just happy to have him there anyway so he started a little musical career and he in 2013, uh, was hired by a um, a company, a, a supermarket company in in uh, in 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 Germany. I, I believe there it's spelled uh, E D E K A. I don't know if that's how you'd say that, but he has this song called Zupa Geil, which I believe means like super cool or something like that. Is that right, Riley? Yeah. Um, and the whole song and this music video is great. He's just um, going through the supermarket and like just picking out stuff from the shelves or like pointing at things. And there's like, you know, people dancing with him and he's wearing this, like these, these cool glasses and like a scarf and stuff like that. And he's just saying like, super lifestyle, super loiter, super sexy, super guile. <laughs> That's the song. Um, and then the chorus, he's saying like, uh, this is super cool. You're super cool. I'm super cool. All that stuff. Uh, yes. So super guile. It's like, S-U-P-E-R-G-E-I-L by Friedrich Liechtenstein, like the com- the country, the small country, landlocked country in the Alps. Um, Friedrich, like F-R-I-E-D-R-I-C-H, Zupagail. You don't know this one, Riley. I can tell you haven't been nodding along with me. So that is Van's Warped Music Tour for this week. Zupagail. Wow. So I, who could have predicted that? that? <laughs> Truly, literally I, no that's one. That's the idea. That's the idea. <laughs> no one could have predicted this weird-ass shit I sometimes listen to. All right, Zupagayo. Uh, I'm sending I don't it have to a, you right now. <laughs> I don't have a good transition. Riley, what's your what's your review this week? Notebook review. Uh, notebook review. Zupagayo, uh, super, super uh, and it'd be Edeka would be the name of Edeka. the... Uh, yeah. It would be the name of the grocery. I don't, I don't know where it's at because it wasn't in Cologne. So I don't know what part of the country it's in. Um, anyways, so speaking with the with the German thing, we're gonna keep it up. Leuchtturm this week. Uh, I've been on their case the past couple of times I reviewed because the last product I purchased pissed me off so bad. It was my own fault, but it pissed me off so bad. We're back, and I have to say they're back in my good graces. This week we have a Leuchtturm composition B5 soft cover, gentlemen. Soft cover, look at this. 
Look at that bend on that. Mm. Very, very rare for me to get a soft cover. Super the reason Italian. why... <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Wow. This is turning into a, very quickly into a random German podcast. Yeah, we were talking um, about brats and mustard, and now this. <laughs> um, so the reason I went with this was the master notebook from Leuchtturm I had previously was so damn big that it was like impossible to write in and carry around. So I was like, well, I need a bigger notebook but I don't want just like a normal A5 one. And I was looking around and I'm usually loathe to get a soft cover, but I realized recently that the material they use for the outside of the notebook is so thick that no matter what you do, a hardcover is always going to have some like actual, the sheets themselves are going to pop up. And for me, a perfectionist that's really hard to write in cursive, like right in by the um, the spine of it. So the soft cover here bends way easier at the spine. Like you can get it pretty close to fully flat. And so I'm using this as a generic, like I usually write first drafts of stuff that I write for either brew hoop or like my own personal site. I write it out here. Or if I like, I'm keeping track of a book, this is like a book notes book. Um, obviously I'm doing like the podcast notes in here. So uh, like term the paper is their classic stuff very good like cream easy on the eyes um it's a good product like this bucks is colors. this is their cream the, the bucks colors well maroon unfortunately so uh well i guess so maroon and gold maroon and cream for the gophers so i keep on brand for that oh, but oh, oh. um <laughs> <laughs> sorry not we're not big 10 champions but at least we have this notebook um so anyways <laughs> we'll uh, let very you have pl- that very pleased with it. Um, you know, what they do, they do very well. Uh, just I have to be careful in the future not to get too experimental with their stuff because they I like the ideas of what they do experimentally, but sometimes the execution can be a little lacking. Like they have stuff where there's this particular notebook where you write out the notes and then they have an app that will like read it and then try to like transcribe it for you or whatever, which is an interesting idea. But from what I gather, the technology isn't like fully there yet. So I'm glad they're pushing the envelope and like the last thing I purchased was part of that. But uh, as with anything experimental in something as old as hell as like making notebooks, uh, user beware on that. So good product here. Happy to have them back in my good graces. So it's an app. It's a notebook company that has an app for their notebooks. Correct. Yeah. So like the the way the paper is designed, um, it's like a... Um, it's like slightly gray so that way it's able to better pick up the way the ink is working against like it's treated in a particular way and then it uses your camera phone or whatever um so it's like an interesting idea for somebody like me who writes everything by hand is like well i don't want to have to type all this up again um but unfortunately for somebody who writes small like me too it's not exactly the best product but they're at least they're trying stuff so that's cool wow all right well get well week for the bucks get well week for like term (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and now it's time for our predictions. Three games this week. Tuesday at OKC. Wednesday home against the Hawks. And two days off before a Saturday night game at Golden State. Riley, what say you for your predictions? Van already knows what's coming. I, I the, the thunder, they push us every time we play them. <laughs> <laughs> it's a running bit within the staff how much I'm into the thunder and how, how much I respect the thunder. So as part of that bit, even if it costs me part of my record, I, I will say the thunder will beat us and we will beat the Hawks and the Warriors this week. So a two-in-one week for us. I'm also going two and one, but I am not going to pick them over the thunder. <laughs> I heard something good on, uh, I think, the Zach Lowe podcast. It was 
Like if you don't if you don't have a good scouting report on the OKC Blue, you can run into some trouble with the Thunder, and they've been pretty feisty uh, recently. They've beaten some pretty good teams, but um, I'm still gonna go. Uh, they, they, yeah, they beat the Suns by 20 points a few weeks ago, or no, I'm sorry, I read that wrong. They beat the Nuggets by by 12 points. They I'm I'm they beat the Nuggets. They beat the Bulls. No, no, they beat the they beat the Mavericks. I'm I, they've beaten some good teams lately. I, I I don't know what I'm reading. They beat the Nets. That's who, who they beat. Well, uh, no, they're the 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 Bucks will beat them. The Bucks will finally get a win against the the Hawks, and then I don't think they will beat the Warriors at Golden State next week. All right, I'm going two and one as well. I think they'll lose against the Hawks. They're just annoying, uh, but I do think they'll pull it out in Golden State. Golden State's been scuffling lately, so that's a good that's good news. All right, well, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Brew Hoop Podcast. Go to brewhoop.com for all our usual features. We have our Monday morning media roundup by Riley. We have Van's Friday progress report of my Wednesday wrap-up, probably on Wednesday this week. And then Morgan has his weekly pieces on Wednesday as well, which are all have been insightful reads lately. Usual recaps and everything. Share the podcast with your friends. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon.